2 Samuel. Always bring your Bible to church, even if it's electronic. I use an iPad. Even if it's electronic, always bring a Bible to church. Your Bible is your sword. Ephesians 6 said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is how we war. It's how we fight against the devil. It's how we fight against the world that's trying to ransack our lives. Let me, let me break it down real, real simple. God is good. The devil is bad. And that's it. So anything that's not good, that's coming against you and your family, that is not the will of God. And we have every legal right to use every resource, tool, and weapon that is at our disposal to aggressively go against and war against what is coming after our family, which is to say this, if there is a symptom on your physical body or somebody in your physical, in your family, a symptom on their physical body, you have a legal right to be healed in the name of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that he will not, uh, that the enemy of God, the devil, Lucifer, one of his minions or some other nonsense that is a plague or a pestilence that is literally prophesied in our Bible but is a product of sin, S-I-N, in the world. Uh, but what happens is that doesn't mean just because you are legally healed that the enemy will not try to put a disease or a symptom on you. It just means when that happens, you are being trespassed upon. That means he is touching God's property. You can have the best uh, security system in the world. You can build a fence with razor wire on it. You can do all those things, but that doesn't mean that a crook or a robber might not come and try to steal what you have protected with the hedge that you have built. The devil, the enemy, will try to put something on you, and sometimes it is through ignorance. And when I use the word ignorance, don't, I don't mean it like your aunt or your uncle used to call you ignorant, you know, like, like not a nice thing. I just mean a lack of knowledge or a lack of information. Sometimes it is for ignorance that we as Christians tolerate things longer than we have to legally tolerate things because we do not take dominion and authority over what is trying to come against us in the spirit. If something is manifesting in the natural and a disease, a symptom, a sickness or otherwise is trying to come on your body, you have the God-given authority which is sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ that gives you the opportunity to take dominion over what is trying to trespass on your physical body. Which is to say, when you feel a lion symptom come on, when your throat starts to hurt, when your ear starts to hurt, when your knee starts to act up, you don't sit there and just decide, I'm going to agree with this and I'm going to do it. No, in the name of Jesus, I am healed and I'm going to act healed and I'm going to take dominion over what's trying to come on my physical body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, the reason we can do this is because we are sons and daughters of God. The Bible says we are heirs and joint heirs, which means we are, we have a, there is a kingdom and we are an heir to the kingdom and because we are an heir to the kingdom, we have the opportunity to live out the wonderful blessings, opportunities, resources and, and, and all the other benefits of that kingdom. 
So we're ambassadors. We're in the world. But bless God, we're not. Boy, y'all read your Bible. So we're in this thing, but we're not of this thing. So we're ambassadors of another kingdom. Which means when the enemy sees you or me, he's going to be like he was in front of God when he's speaking about Job. He said, you know what, I'll tell you what, I'd like to get my hands on that one. I'd like to try to do something to that one. And he, began, he, he becomes a trespasser when he does that. And you and me have the opportunity to rise up in faith, speak the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, which means in the spirit, your spirit man looks like this. Uh, you have a, a lion symptom coming on your body. You have something that's trying to make you sick. Maybe it's uh, cancer. Maybe it's emphysema. Maybe it's glaucoma. Maybe it's uh, some other kind of pulmonary thing. I'm feeling a pulmonary thing this morning. Maybe it's something in your breathing that, that just doesn't agree with the word of God. Your spirit man is sitting there. Your physical man is receiving that. And when you rise up and you say, this is not right, I take dominion and authority over this symptom because by his stripes I'm healed. What your spirit man looks like, it looks like a man or a woman that grabs the mightiest of all swords and begins to swing it at what is trying to come against you and come against your family and you begin to lacerate, you begin to destroy what is trying to destroy you with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So as we begin to rise up in our inner man, we begin to take things from the enemy that he stole from us. And the wonderful thing about the enemy stealing from you is when he gives it back, bless God, he has to give it back with interest. And I'm not talking about that chinchy little uh, 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 savings account interest at the bank. I'm talking about sevenfold anything the devil steals from you, he has to give back. But we have to take dominion. You take dominion the way Jesus took dominion. With the sword of the Spirit, John on the Isle of Patmos was sitting there and he saw revelation. He, 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 was, he was in a, a great vision and he saw Jesus sitting on a horse and the Bible says that out of his mouth was a two-edged sword. The Bible says that the word of the living God is our sword and the way we swing it is we've got to speak it. So you begin to speak the word of God over your situation. 2 Samuel chapter number 9. David said... This is King David. You'll meet him one day in heaven. He will be there. Uh, I don't know if the Lord allows us uh, to like take things in the spirit with us, but I think it would be awesome if he still had that sling that he killed Goliath with and was just walking around with it as a testimony to let everybody know that God can use a boy to kill a giant David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now that's important for a lot of reasons. Number one, the Bible says, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. So, so many times in our Bible, we see David pursuing God uh, stronger and greater than anybody around him pursues God. The other thing we see is he acts like the Lord acts more often than a lot of people act like the Lord acts around him. So, you get a picture of what's happening. King David is sitting on his throne. 
to you and me, in hindsight, a representation of what the Lord God Almighty is doing right now. And it's as if he is heartsick. And he's not heartsick because his hand hurts. He's not heartsick because uh, something is, is wrong in his household. He's heartsick because of how much he wants to bless somebody else. The Spirit of God will quicken to you opportunities to bless people, will quicken to you opportunities to be a blessing to other people. Sometimes it'll be in the way of monetary giving. Sometimes it'll be in the way of giving uh, the right smile at the right time, the right handshake at the right time, asking the right question at the right time, making yourself available at the right time. But you've got to get a picture of God. He's literally sitting on His throne right now wanting to bless you and me. There was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, and when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God? The kindness of God. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has a son which is lame in his feet. That word kindness literally means the goodness of God. So David is sitting there and he's saying, is there anybody from Saul's kingdom that is out of Saul's lineage that I can bless because of my friend Jonathan? Saul was king of Israel before David was. David was the next king of Israel. And the first answer that comes to him when he asks Ziba, which is a servant of the previous king Saul, the first answer that he has when he says, is there anyone alive? He says, yes, there's one, but if you can read here, it does not say his name. It simply talks about his weakness. You see, in my life and your life, we have to get real good at agreeing with what God says about us and not what the accuser of the brethren says about us because anytime you start to focus on your weaknesses, let me tell you what you're doing. Number one, you are doing what the devil is trying to do to you. You need to agree with God and say, listen, I might have an issue in my life, but bless God, where I'm weak, he's strong. So instead of being introduced properly, we'll get his name in a minute, it's kind of hard to say. Instead of being introduced properly, he literally starts uh, saying, you know, there is one guy, but, but, but he's lame in his feet. He's got, he's got problems. He, he, he's, got, he's got issues. He, he's got stuff that, 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 that you probably don't want to deal with. And the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said unto him, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Now, that's interesting because David didn't say, okay, now hold on a minute. Tell me about those feet. Saul's servant comes and he says, he says, is there anybody out of the house of Saul that I can bless for Jonathan's sake? And Saul's servant comes and says, there's one, but he's lame in his feet. You, you don't want to deal with him. He, he's crippled. He, he's got problems. He, he's got issues. And King David didn't say, okay, fine. I wish there was somebody who had it all together because if I had somebody who had it all together, then I could use them. No, he cuts right to the chase and said, well, where is he, man? The situation is simple. In your life and my life, we have these feelings that come on us. 
We have these thoughts that come on us like we can't do it. Uh, uh, we're never going to have enough money. Uh, my kids are never going to serve God. My marriage is on the rocks. Uh, uh, I got more bills than I got money. I got all these issues. I got all these things that are happening. And the reality is, is every one of those might be accurate because we'll find out that the guy really was hurting his feet. But God, who is represented here by the one who is a man after God's own heart, paid no attention to the weaknesses of the one he was looking for. When God looks at you, He's not looking at your shortcomings. He's not looking at what you did. Listen, if that was the case, He never would have sent Jesus to die for you. But instead, He did in fact send Jesus to die for you. Therefore, every weakness that you may have, every weakness that God is delivering you from, every issue that you have, though the devil may be trying to accuse you because he is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says that when the accuser of the brethren uh, comes and tries to speak against you, just like Ziba is doing, the only thing that the Lord wants to know is, well, bless God, where is he? How can I put my hand on him? Ziba says, well, he, he, he's out in a place. He's, he's out in a place, in a, and the place is called Low Debar. Low Debar. Which, at a glance, if you just have a concordance, it just means barren, wasteland. So, so this young man, uh, uh, Mephibosheth, we'll find out his name is. What happened to him is simple. There was an overthrow, and King Saul, the previous king, and his son Jonathan were both killed in a battle. The nurse that took care of Mephibosheth, the man who's in Lodibar with the lame feet, when he was a baby, uh, she heard that Saul was killed and Jonathan was killed. So as history uh, notes, she takes off running uh, away. And the reason she's running is because when a king was overthrown, especially in those days, they would have killed all the heirs to the throne to stop an uprising from happening later. Which is why the devil wants you, an heir and a joint heir, dead. Because if he can knock you off the planet, then he can slow down what you're going to accomplish. So the lady has a sweet Mephibosheth, little boy. And she is running away trying to save this boy's life. And we don't know if she tripped and fell, but she dropped him. And when she dropped him, he hurt his feet. And from that day on, according to the scripture, he was lame in his feet. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, and he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, uh, uh, Mephibosheth said, Behold thy servant. Which is more like to say, Yes, Lord, I, I'm at your service. But the interesting thing was, is the Bible says that David sent for him. He fetched him out of Lodibar. Now, Lodibar, like I said, it means barren. It means wasteland. It means there's nothing out there. But it's really uh, found, it's really two words put together. It's low and dober. You know, every word kind of has two words that, that, that are, or sometimes that have multiple sources that we put together uh, to make a word. This means Lodibar. And low is real simple in Hebrew. It just means none, no, none, no. But dober has two different meanings. One is pasture. Or, or feel, that kind of thing. Listen to this. The other is word. What happened was, is this young man was crippled from a young age because of what somebody did or did not do to him or for him. And he spent the rest of his life living 
in a barren place away from the sword of the Spirit itself, the Word. And he didn't even know he was an heir. You see, in my life, in your life, we, we have these opportunities that come up. We can either believe what somebody said about us. We can either rehearse the negative thing that happened to us growing up. We've all got stories. We've all got issues. And, and bless God, there's tissues for your issues. But if you will look forward instead of looking backward, God will take you to the place where you're in a barren place away from everything. And before you know it, you'll wake up and the King is calling you by name. He goes before the king, falls on his face, and says, I'm at your service. How could he feel? He, he had to be terrified. Everybody else, if, if they were an heir, everybody else, they would, have, they would have gone and they would have said, oh my goodness gracious, there's somebody living that might, over, that might rise up to try to overthrow my kingdom? Make sure and execute him on the spot. So he doesn't know what he's walking into. He just knows the king of Israel who replaced his daddy, uh, excuse me, his grandfather who was king. The king of Israel has drawn him before him and he just says, I'm, I'm here at your service. And king David says, fear not. Every time the Lord speaks to you, you ought to always hear, don't be scared. God's going to ask you to do things bigger than your own capacity. All I'm asking you to do is not be scared. Fear not. Be of good comfort. Don't let your heart be troubled. These are all the salutations of the angels and the Spirit of God that would come and deliver a message to the people who were looking for a message. They would walk in the room or they would already be there and, and a person would walk in and they would begin to shake and tremble because the power of God would be so overwhelming and they weren't sure, is this, is this angel here to destroy me? What's fixing to happen? And the first thing they would say to God's people is, don't be scared. Do you remember Joshua before he went to battle? He was sitting there and he was like, God, I'm about to do this thing. You're with me. I know we can do it. And he looks over to his right and he sees a huge angel that's ready for war. And Josh says, he goes, are you with us or them? Because that's important. Are you with us or them? And the angel says, you're my dog, Josh. And Josh rears back in his spirit, man. And all of a sudden, all the fear and all the issues begin to vanish and melt like wax because when we find out that God is for us and not against us, then we can conquer anything. We can move in any direction God calls us to move. He's on his face. He says, I, I'm your servant. The first thing David says, don't be scared. I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan, your dad's sake. And I will restore. Everybody say restore. restore. I will restore the, all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Amen. Now, now. The Bible continues to say he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? Meaning he didn't have a good self-image, but I felt like David was just saying, I'm going to work with that. I just want you to know everything in your life just changed. 
When you said yes to Jesus, not one thing in your life changed. Not a part of your life changed. Listen to me. Every part of your life just changed. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I've given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and his house. Thou, therefore, and your sons and your servants, you're going to till the land for him. And you'll bring in the fruits that my master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Which is to say this. Mephibosheth went from being in a barren place where all he was known for was being crippled, lame, weak, and useless to in a snap of a finger. He had 36 employees working full time for him that the king was paying for. He goes on and he says, it's because... It's because, it's because of your dad that I'm doing this. I mean, that's the whole point. He, 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 says, he says, Mephibosheth, it's because of your father that I'm doing this. But he didn't just give him what his dad had. His dad's name was Jonathan. The Bible said he restored to him everything that belonged to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord wants you to know some of you have an inheritance that your family has laid up spiritually. But some of you have an inheritance that your parents' parents have laid up and it hasn't been uh, picked up and run with yet. But in the name of Jesus, what's going to happen to you is there's going to be a restoration take place and not one prayer of your grandmother, not one prayer of your grandfather is going to go in vain. Not one issue, not one thing that they went through, not one victory that they had will you not have the benefit of too. The Bible says that, 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 that Isaac, it was counted to him as faith, that, that it was counted to him as faith that Abraham tithed unto Melchizedek because he was still in Abraham's loins, which is to say this, every time you sow into the kingdom of God, you're not just blessing your family right now, you're blessing every family member in your lineage. No, I've got a family line that, that, that's, that's several generations deep full of preachers. And, and, and I, 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 got, I, got, I got these moments sometimes when I'll just be praying or I'll be studying and all of a sudden I'll get something in the Spirit. I, I'll see something in the Word that I hadn't seen before. And sometimes I can feel that was something that my grandfather uncovered and now I've got it. That was a blessing that my grandfather had learned to walk in and now I got it. That was a blessing that my father had learned to walk in and now I got it. That was a revelation that my mom got. My mom, y'all, gets revelation like crazy. And every time she gets it, I just smile because I know I'm an heir and my children are heirs and whatever they get. Some of you say, well, I, I, preacher, I, I think that's great. I'm the first one in my family. 
I don't have any of that. Wow. What an amazing opportunity to become the Abraham of your family. Anytime you have the opportunity, if you know you're in a family of non-believers, they'll usually let you pray over dinner. I dare you to speak the blessings of God over your family and watch it begin to trickle down. You, you, you see, they all feel like Mephibosheth. They feel like they're trapped in a crippled life in a barren place. Oh, I know they don't say it. I know their Facebook is filled with smiley faces and memes. Facebook's not reality. I'm not mad at Facebook. Facebook's one of our number one tools. We use Facebook every week to try to get faith out there. But you can't look at somebody's life, what they're posting. What they're posting on the Internet is what they want you to know. Some of you just had a thought. You're like, well, I'd hate to think what they really, what they really know. So many times we, we, we have that feeling that we're somehow lame, crippled, hurt, unusable, if it were. You know, if God was only going to use people who had it all together, you wouldn't have a pastor right now. He's still working on me all the time. I'm going from glory, come on somebody, to glory. So well, what when you when you when you feel weak, what do you do? I grab the sword of the spirit and I start cutting up the devil. That simple? That simple. What 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 do you do when it feels like you don't have enough? Grab the sword of the Spirit and start cutting up the devil. Oh, what do you do when it feels like something might fall apart? I grab the sword of the Spirit and I start cutting up the devil. But here, here's the thing. We have Ziba and we have Mephibosheth. One's a servant One's a son. King David sitting on his throne. And he says, I wish there was somebody out of the house of Saul that I could bless for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan was his best friend, if it were. That's what God does today, except... He says it different. He, he says, I wish there was someone who would take me at my word that I could bless for my son's sake. You See, Jesus paid every price for you and me. 
And because of that, it has opened up the opportunity for you and me to live a life that was not possible before. And God is sitting up there going, I don't want one drop of my son's blood to be shed in vain. I wish there was somebody that I could bless, but the only way that I can bless them is they've got to get out of that place which is separate from the Word and they've got to get into my presence. Ziba, you go get him. Go fetch him. Almost like a catching away. He raptured him from his broken life and reminded him he was a son. You go get him, Ziba. Now, I have some feelings on this. I think Ziba was trying to steal the blessing. Because David said, I wish there was somebody out of Saul's house I could bless for Jonathan's sake. And Ziba's like, ooh, 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 ooh. I'm, I'm, I used to work for him. Maybe there's a little conversation going on on the side. And he said, no, man, he's talking about like a kid, like, 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 like somebody in the, come on, somebody, the bloodline. comes and he says, whoa, okay, okay. Still just the, the wheels are turning because he's trying to find a way to, to, get, to get something that doesn't belong to him. He says, there is one that you wouldn't want him, man. He's crippled. He's messed up. Living out in a place, nothing but lack and poverty, no pasture, nothing. David says, well, boy, go get him. When the devil tries to steal from you, God will cause all things to work together for your good. So Ziba goes and fetches him for the king, brings him before him. Mephibosheth falls on his feet, falls on his face, which is to say, he came humbly before God, humbly before the king. And David started talking about how he was going to bless him and how he would always eat at his table. And I'm reminded of one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Psalms, numero 23. When he says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your Ziba. The one who's trying to steal your blessing. Because the one who tries to steal doesn't understand heirship. Doesn't understand sonship. You see, there is something about being in the bloodline that changes everything about your situation. When we received the blood of Jesus Christ this morning, we were reminding ourselves that we are blood kin to the one who set us free. We are blood kin to the one who paid our price. We are blood bought by the one who set us free. A servant might not understand that. That's why the scripture talks about people who serve God and it's like lip service. They never become a child. 
Because when you're a child, two things. One, you have unfettered access. I remember growing up, and I'm about to close. I remember growing up, my, my family my, my, my family had uh, dry cleaning plants. And, and we had employees, some of them, so they were with us for, you know, uh, uh, literally 20, 30 years, just good family people. And uh, I remember my dad's office, he had his office here, and then there was a, there was a, a, a restroom off of his office and in that restroom was a safe and and uh, sometimes there were employees that you know had a reason to talk to my dad and they would come to his office and they would knock he said come in and they would sit down and they'd have whatever conversation other times there was uh, uh, some, some people who'd been with him for a long time and as, as long as there wasn't somebody in the office they didn't have to knock the door's always open come on in my dad was the best guy to work for ever. But see, I wasn't an employee. I was a son. Knocking never crossed my mind. I'd get home from school. Hey, Daddy. And Daddy would be in the middle of a meeting. Hey, baby boy, how was school? Oh, it's pretty good. I said, Dad, yeah. Can I have some money? To go across the street to tidbit? That's what the little gas station was called. He'd say, yeah, baby boy. Just get something out of the safe. I'm a kid. Open it up. We had a washateria. If you know anything about washaterias, you pay with quarters. I, my pockets rattled with my lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nine dollars, sir. No problem. <laughs> Lots of coins in my life. But not one of those employees had the combination to the safe. Because they weren't sons and daughters. We were robbed from occasionally. It happens. Proof positive that the devil will pay back sevenfold. It's happened over and over and over again. It gets to the place where you're too expensive to steal from when you take dominion over it. There's another side to the coin. I would be going on a trip, like a mission trip or any trip. It didn't matter. My daddy would always say this to me. He'd say, son, you have nothing to prove to anybody. Because I was kind of bent towards, you know, anything you can do, I can do better kind of thing. Like a little boy is and a lot of times. And, and he, would, he, would, he would say, you have nothing to prove. And then he would say this. I don't care what anybody else does but I expect more out of you. Because I wasn't an employee. I was a son. La later, so, so stand to your feet, I'm going to close. Later, Mephibosheth, at one time, King David is, is off away, and Mephibosheth is, is so missing the presence of the king the one who fetched him from a barren place, 
that he was fasting and he refused to, to, to straighten his beard and straighten his look. And uh, when the king showed up, there was a dispute between uh, him, and, uh, uh, one of, him and the servant about some land and who was going to own it, who was not going to own it. And it's almost like the king just goes, I tell you what, guys, you just split it. And, and Mephibosheth goes, I don't even care about the land. Let him have it. I just want to be in your presence. Because a son, a daughter, recognizes the price paid to be in the blood line. Some of you have experienced some rough things. Maybe it's like you were dropped in an evacuation mode when you were growing up. Maybe somebody wasn't kind to you. Maybe when I say, oh, our Father, the Lord loves us, you didn't have a good daddy. So when I say Father, it's not a great thing to you. Let me just say, don't ever compare God to the people you've had a bad encounter with. He's nothing like that. He loves you so much that he would send somebody to the edge of the earth to fetch you out of a barren and wordless situation, to bring you into his presence, to make sure that you had food enough to eat, to make sure that you were blessed in the city, blessed in the field, and literally not just eating, but eating at his table. And sometimes, don't get nervous, but it will be in the presence of your enemies. I like to say it like this. What happens when I feel uh, the enemy rising up against me? I say, grab a fork and a knife because the buffet is about to open. But in our life, we all have that moment. When he snatches us, he pulls us, he rescues us. Maybe you've never experienced that. Today's your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Everybody, please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't know God, if you're here today and you're not right with God and you know it, you would say Jesus is not... Lord of my life. You're not living right. You're not doing right. You feel crippled and in a barren place. Our God sins for you today. He sent a suit-wearing preacher to give you the good news that he wants you to be in his presence and with him always. If that's you today and you say, I've never been right with God and I want to be. Or maybe you say, you know what, I used to walk strong with God, but somehow I fell off. I, I, it's almost like I've backslidden. I've turned away from him. He, he might very well still be my savior, but I'm not acting like he's my friend. And I'm certainly not acting like he's my Lord. 
Maybe that's you today. And you would say, today's the day when I want to get it right. I, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you and I count to three, just lift your hand. And with the uplifted hand, you're just indicating that you'd like to pray. I see that hand already. One, two, three. Lift your hands. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Just pray this after me. Say, oh God. Come on, church, help us. Say, oh God. I come to you now. And I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian. I'm not crippled. I'm healed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Give God a hand of praise.